Good evening, church family. It is wonderful to see so many of you here tonight and to see so many guests here tonight as well. So to everyone here this evening, welcome to our annual Christmas Eve service here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church of York, a service that is focused on not trying to entertain you all here this evening with Santa Claus or with Rudolph, nor trying to wow you all here this evening with fancy lights or fog machines, nor even trying to tickle all your ears here this evening with an array of false hopes, false claims, false promises, and false reasons for the season. But instead, our service here this evening is a service that is focused on celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as well. And I think that is so, so important for me to articulate and to make clear to you all here this evening, because quite frankly, there are a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings out there today about the Christmas holiday. For example, I read a story this week in preparation for my message about a little boy and his older sister who at their Christmas Eve service were both singing together Silent Night. However, the little boy, for he concluded singing Silent Night, not by singing Sleep in Heavenly Peace, but instead by belting out the word Sleep in Heavenly Beans. To which his older sister then looked at him in shock and hearing him sing about these heavenly beings and quickly corrected him by saying, it's not sleep in heavenly beings, it's sleep in heavenly peas like the little green things. (laughs) Nevertheless, all jokes aside, for tonight I hope you can all see and grasp and understand from the music that we sing to the prayers that we offer to the scripture that we read and now to the message that I will share with you all that tonight's service is all about the old, old story of the birth of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God who broke into this world to live and to dwell amongst us and to save us from our sins. And in light of that, for I'd also like to remind you all here this evening, as one pastor put it, that the greatest threat then to Christmas at this time isn't secularism, nor is it consumerism, but instead it's our own boredom Christian with the most thrilling story ever told. And we will hear that most thrilling story ever told tonight or that old, old story from the Gospel of Matthew, specifically from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, which can be found on page 807 in your pew Bibles. And thus, if you do not have a Bible with you this evening, then lovingly let me encourage you to grab one of those Bibles and to follow along this evening as we as a church family hear this aforementioned, most thrilling story ever told. For again, we will be in Matthew chapter 1 this evening, church, and we will be looking specifically at verses 18 through 25. 
where the Apostle Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you bless our time together as we celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ as we worship and reverently be in all this evening of your Son, Jesus Christ, as well. If there are individuals here who have not placed their trust in Jesus Christ, Father, I pray that your word convicts them this evening and that they come to faith in Christ. Father, I pray that you help my lisping and my stammering tongue this evening and that this entire service tonight brings glory to you. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Our thesis statement this evening, church, or the main point of my message this evening is this. Behold Jesus Christ as Savior, the one who came into this world to save his people from their sins. Again, the thesis statement this evening is this. Behold Jesus Christ as Savior, the one who came into this world to save his people from their sins. So as we open this evening in verse 18, the author of the Gospel of Matthew, again, that being the Apostle Matthew, for he begins the birth account of Jesus Christ like this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. In essence, making it clear here that this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Verse 18, that when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Betrothed here essentially meaning, again, as I mentioned last week, that the parents of Mary and Joseph had seemingly at this time agreed in a legal and contractual way that Mary and Joseph would be married to each other, but that at this time they were still not officially married, which is not surprising, church, since betrothals typically lasted for about a year. 
And thus, when it says then in verse 18 that before they came together, she was found to be with child, in essence, what the Apostle Matthew is indicating here is that before they, Mary and Joseph, consummated their marriage, or when Mary was still a virgin, that she became pregnant. But that she became pregnant or is found to be with child, verse 18, from the Holy Spirit. And that this virgin girl named Mary, who was betrothed to this man named Joseph, for she became pregnant, not naturally here, church, but instead via a supernatural miracle, whereby before she and Joseph ever came together, she, this virgin girl named Mary, was found to be with child, verse 18, from the Holy Spirit. And Ligon Duncan Church, the Chancellor at Reformed Theological Seminary, in light of that, for he shared this. That there's a story out there about C.S. Lewis at Christmas time, when a window of his was open at the university, and that while a skeptical faculty member and friend of his was visiting, below there were some carolers singing Christmas carols, which they both could hear through the open window. And some of the carols that they were singing were about the virgin birth. And Lewis's friend shook his head and said to Lewis, aren't you glad that we know better than that? And C.S. Lewis, he replied back to him by saying, pardon me, I'm not sure what you're talking about. To which his friend then said back to him, well, aren't you glad that we know that virgins don't have babies? And C.S. Lewis, he paused for a second and said back to his friend, well, don't you think they know that as well? For isn't that the whole point? And yes, for that is the whole point, since it is not as if women have virgin births all the time. And that is why the gospel author Matthew draws such attention to this virgin birth, because there's a singularity or uniqueness to it and that there's nothing like it in all of history. And that should not stagger the Christian at all, because at the very heart of our religion is a miracle. And thus, if God chose to bring that miracle into the world by a miracle, for that should not surprise us at all then. And thus, when we speak about Jesus being conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, for we are pointing to these great realities. Nevertheless, verse 19, Mary's husband Joseph, or her promised husband Joseph, as one translation puts it, for he, verse 19, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Since Mary, the woman who he, Joseph, was betrothed to at this time, was now pregnant with a child who most certainly was not his biological child. However, verse 20, as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to him, as we see then in verses 20 and 21, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that, in that the angel makes it clear to Joseph here that that which is conceived in Mary is not 
from another man here, nor from another relationship here, nor because Mary has been immoral, unfaithful, sexually promiscuous, or sinful here, but instead the angel makes it clear to Joseph here that that which is conceived in Mary, verse 20, is from the Holy Spirit and that she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, verse 21, for he will save his people from their sins. To which the gospel writer Matthew then shares, as we see in verses 22 and 23, that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. In essence, that all this took place to ultimately fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before any of this took place. That prophecy being, as we see in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel to which you might be sitting there this evening thinking, to summarize the late R.C. Sproul here and numerous other commentators here as well, being that Isaiah said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, and being that in Matthew the angel says they will call his name Jesus, And furthermore, being that those names are not the same and they they do not even mean the same thing, for how exactly then, when Jesus came, could he be described then as the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14? And the answer to that question is, because this Jesus, the one who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary and who came into this world to live and to dwell amongst us. For this Jesus truly is then God incarnate, God in the flesh or Emmanuel, which means, verse 23, God with us. And thus when Joseph then, verse 24, woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, But verse 25, knew her not until she had given birth to a son, or as the NASB puts it, kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he, Joseph, then, verse 25, called his name Jesus. The name Jesus here meaning Yahweh, the Lord, saves, which certainly seems appropriate since this Jesus as we all saw back in verse 21, for he will save his people from their sins. Which, make no mistake about it, is a big, big deal here, church. And if you don't believe me, theologian D.A. Carson, for he shared this. For if God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. Or if he perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. Or if our God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he would have sent us a politician. Or if he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor. But he, our God, perceived that our greatest need involved our sin 
our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, and our death. And thus he sent us then a Savior. And thus being that the reality is that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, and that we were all dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked following the course of this world, Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2. For it is a big, big deal then, church, that this Son of God named Jesus, that he came into this world, 1 Timothy 1.15, to save sinners which he did by initially living a life here on earth that was free from any kind of sin, and in doing so, fulfilled the law of God for the very children of God, and by also then bearing the wrath of God that they, the children of God, deserve for their very sins as well, by willingly giving up his own life, by being crucified, and killed and crushed on a cross at Calvary in their place and as their very substitute, even though he himself never sinned, only to then three days later be raised from the dead for their justification. And that some 2,000 years ago, this divine Son of God himself, Jesus Christ, the one who was in the beginning with God and who was God and who through him all things were made and without him was not anything made that was made for this same Jesus Christ who although he was in the form of God, for he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man. And he did so, church, in order to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. To seek and to save the lost. Luke 19, 10. And to appear once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hebrews 9, 26. And thus whoever believes in him then, church, or places their faith in him, church, for they will not perish, but instead will receive the gift of everlasting life, John 3, 16. And thus to the non-Christian who is here this evening, for let today be the day that you repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day, Christmas Eve 2023, that you will be forgiven of your sins and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. Since although the wage of sin is death, non-Christian, for the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, 23. And to the Christian who is here this evening, to the one who has already been saved by this last Adam and this serpent crusher, by this Son of God and this mighty Redeemer, by this Emmanuel, this God with us, this crucified and buried and risen Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, for quite simply then this evening, Christian, oh come, let us adore him, behold him, sing Christ the Savior is born, and joyfully and reverently worship him. Since this Jesus Christ, God incarnate, our Emmanuel, came into this world to live and to dwell amongst us, Christian, and to save us 
from our very sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we cannot begin to fathom the gift that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, if there are individuals here this evening who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, Father, we pray that your word, your word that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, your word, as Jeremiah puts it, that is a hammer, your word that is a fire, we pray that you smash away any hardness of heart and that you set their hearts ablaze. Make them alive this evening, we pray. Give them the grace they need so that they can have faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there are brothers and sisters in Christ here this evening who have become bored with the old, old story, bored with the most thrilling story ever told, Father, wake them out of their funk. And we pray this evening that as a church body, that we come and adore Christ the King that we behold Christ as Savior, and we reverently and passionately and joyfully worship Jesus Christ, the one who came into this world to live and to dwell amongst us, to save us from our sin, and who will come again one day for his bride, the church. In his name we pray. Amen.